Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, The drop in the stock market, the length and breadth of it hasn't been seen since 1932, 90 years ago. 1932, the Great Depression. The experts are now saying most of them, were headed into a recession. We're headed into a recession. We're in a recession. Well, technically, I don't care about technically. You know, they change the numbers in Washington, the bureaucrats do, the politicians do, to try and mask as long as they can the damage that they do to this country and our economic system. We're in a recession, and if we're not careful, we're going to slip into a depression. And I'm not kidding. This is why I'm very careful about the sponsors we have on this program. This is why I urge you strongly to contact certain sponsors and try and save money and go over your situation so you're prepared for this and you can survive it economically. But that's what's going on. And as that goes on, we need to watch for something else. Every time there is a significant economic issue, or every time there is a significant problem, the central government gets more powerful and the individual gets weaker. That's just a fact. So we need to be mindful of this. And we've talked about this, and it's here. Over a year ago when we were talking about the debt and the deficit spending, 
Nobody wanted to hear it. It wasn't hot stuff, so they didn't discuss it on TV and radio. Well, I don't roll that way. I see things as they are. And we talked about the electrical grid. We've talked about it on numerous occasions. On this platform, on my TV platforms, even wrote about it in Liberty and Tyranny 12 years ago. That California is going to have brownouts and blackouts as a result of its environmental policies. It does, and it will. And it's going to get worse in our most populous state. As will other states. Just a matter of time, because the policies in California are really the policies of the National Democrat Party, which wants to impose those policies on the entirety of the nation, if you think about it. Now we have a piece from Yahoo Finance. No surprise, California's electrical grid has an EV problem. Now what's an EV problem? Electrical vehicle problem. California energy officials issued a sober warning telling residents to brace for potential blackouts as the state's energy grid faces capacity constraints heading into the summer months. And since the state is committed to phase out all new gas-powered vehicles by 2035, well ahead of federal targets, the additional load from electric vehicle EV charging could add more strain to the already strained electrical grid. Quote, Let's say we were to have a substantial number of electric vehicles charging at home as everybody dreams, says Ram Rajapal, an associate professor of civil and environmental engineering at Stanford, who authored a recent study looking at the strain electrical vehicle adoption is expected to place on the power grid. He told Yahoo Finance, today's grid may not be able to support it. It all boils down to, are you charging during the time solar power is on? In Sacramento, officials said California grid could face a potential shortfall of roughly 1,700 megawatts, which would affect the power supply of between 1 and 4 million people this summer. That number would likely be exacerbated by an additional shortfall of 5,000 megawatts in the case of extreme heat and further fire damage to existing power lines. Well, if... 1,700 megawatts affects between 1 and 4 million people. Three times that amount affects between 3 million and 12 million people. The alert in the nation's most populous state highlighted the delicate dance utility companies face in managing warming temperatures. With tightening energy supplies, the country moves rapidly away from fossil fuel generation to meet ambitious targets aimed at drastically reducing emissions. And when these brownouts and blackouts come, guess who will be screaming at the top of their lungs like coyotes? Guess who will be barking and blaming the private sector? You got it. The Marxists and the Democrat Party. It's not their policies that cause inflation. It's not their policies driving up prices. No, no, no. It's not their policies resulting in baby formula shortages and shortages of other foods. No, no. It's the private sector, big fill-in-the-blank. California set out to become a leader in the green transition, aiming to rid its electrical grid and all carbon sources by 2045. 
The state is already the nation's top producer of solar, geothermal, and biomass energy, with renewables accounting for more than 30% of the energy generated in the state. Whip-de-doo. And brownouts and blackouts? But as California creates a template for other states to follow, God forbid, the professor says it also exposing some critical gaps that are likely to strain the power grid in the race to net zero, especially in the transportation sector, where the acceleration of electric vehicle adoption is already underway. And this is what the media never do. They never put these people to the test. These, have these politicians on on Sunday? They have them on constantly. They go on, on about, we need to have zero this and zero that and use electricity. Where does electricity come from? Globally, the number of electric vehicles is expected to swell from 7 million to 400 million by 2040. The transition to zero emission cars is estimated to add 2,000 TWH to annual energy demand by 2050. That's a 40% increase of our current electricity use. Professor Roger Paul's team of researchers at Stanford developed a model framework to help utility companies around the world calculate charging patterns to better manage electricity demand. In California, it found the peak charging demand would more than double by 2030 if EV owners opted to charge in the evening at home. Wow, they came up with a model to tell all of you drivers out there when you can charge, when you can't charge, when you can drive, when you can't drive. What a model. The use of an electric vehicle is like adding one or two air conditioners to your residence in terms of its energy increase, says Mike Jacobs, senior energy analyst at Union of Concerned Scientists. So when the local utility engineer looks at this, he thinks of that air conditioning in the afternoon and the electric vehicle coming home at the same time. Oh, my goodness. In Concord, Massachusetts, where Jacobs lives, his local utility has already asked that he set a timer on his electric vehicle so he's not charging until after 10 p.m. at night in exchange for a discounted rate. And so uh, this is why they want to monitor your driving. This is why they want to tax you for every mile you drive. They're creating a, uh, a, a disastrous issue here. A disastrous problem. Tom Jensen, CEO of Norway-based Freya Battery, which designs and manufactures lithium-ion batteries, said each battery it manufactures has the capacity to store four hours' worth of energy. You can deploy large amounts of four-hour storage using lithium batteries coupled with solar and wind You can upgrade or overhaul the entire U.S. energy system either in three large regional grids or nine smaller but very still large grids. It's technically feasible, he says, but it's an unprecedented level of investment in overhauling an entire energy system. Yeah, I think it is. And he cautioned that meaningful decarbonization is unlikely until roughly 80% of the battery supply chain is developed using renewable energy. So you need renewable energy to create renewable energy. He said it's like a 4D puzzle because you have policy, you have economics, and you have the engineering, and you have people's acceptance. Engineering-wise, you can have 20 viable solutions. Maybe they don't satisfy the other three, and then they're useless. 
It's very, very complicated. <clears throat> so when people just run around yelling, these activists, these buffoons, I'm for green energy, I'm for green energy. Well, brownouts and blackouts is the result. And I'm not kidding. And they're going to have them in California. And there's been no real significant approach to figuring out how the electricity will be provided for millions of electric vehicles. And I even talked about this myself. Right now we have mostly coal, natural gas, oil um, that create, and nuclear power plants that create electricity. It used to be people supported nuclear power because it was so clean. Now they don't even support that. California has one left. One plant left. And the, uh, the reprobate governor in California has said, well, maybe we need to upgrade it and not take it down. Yeah. But I meant what I said. When you look what's being pushed upon the entirety of this nation, most of the policies are California's policies. Whether they're cultural, whether they're economic, whether it relates to how you deal with the virus or health issues and how you deal with police officers and so forth. And California right now is an utter and complete disaster. Disaster. One party state disaster. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You know, it's like baby formula. I mean, they shut down this Abbott Abbott, uh, production, and then they kind of walk away. I mean, it's shut down for like three months. It produces 40% of the, uh, of the baby formula in the country. How do you just walk away from that when you're in administration, when you have the FDA? They fall asleep at the wheel or something? What did they think was going to happen? And then they have these incredibly strict import uh, rules that make it impossible to import perfectly good formula from advanced industrial countries in Europe and so forth. Feeding babies... Throughout that continent? And then Biden says, you know, I wish I could, you know, I wish I could read minds and so forth. And and then they were blaming Abbott when this problem was building way back, even before last November, as as I pointed out last week.
And what do they do? You know, if you don't trust the private sector, you don't embrace the private sector, if you don't, if you don't trust effectively the American people, this is what you get. Government, bureaucrats, regulations. How many people regulating baby formula have ever been to a plant that makes baby formula and knows how baby formula is made? Almost none of them. Almost none of them. Just remarkable. But they know everything. It's like the climate change movement. People claim to know everything. They know nothing about combustion engines, about how you develop oil wells, about how you refine, about how you transport. They don't know a damn thing. Probably can't even change a tire. They're ideologues, and they try to impose their positions on the entirety of this society. That's the Democrat Party, again. Trotskyite in their mindset. Trotskyite in their mindset. A constant and permanent revolution. Against what? Against the existing society. Against the greatest society on the face of the earth. That's all Elizabeth Warren is. That's all Bernie Sanders is. That's all all these people are. That's what they are. Just stirring the pot and taking shots. Now, Biden has raided the critical critical strategic petroleum reserve, as pointed out in the Daily Wire. And now the reserve is the lowest level in 35 years. And what did he accomplish? Absolutely nothing. It's all a PR thing. Donald Trump fills up the reserve when prices are low. And Biden takes from the reserve. It's a PR stunt. As a PR stunt, the end of March, the Biden administration announced it would release 1 million barrels of oil per day from the reserve. You know how much that would cost to replace it today? The amount of crude oil on the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve dropped by 5 million barrels in the week to May 13. Data from the U.S. Department of Energy showed, Reuters reported. Stockpiles in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve fell to 538 million barrels, the lowest since 1987. Meanwhile, the Biden administration gas has been canceling oil and gas leases, including the potential to drill for oil in over one million acres in the Cook Inlet in Alaska. Unbelievable. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N, 
for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. See, the way this works, America, the American Marxists, when it comes to the economy, are socialists. Now, I have disputed those who call this overall socialism because it's Marxism, but their economic plan is different than their cultural plan and so forth and so on. You can't call a cultural plan socialism. It's Marxism. And it gave birth to socialism from an economic perspective. Now that said, you'll see what's happening. You're living it. Prior to Joe Biden uh, being ensconced in the Oval Office, you had these various sectors of the economy, the industrial economy, that were fairly effective and efficient. They were working. The production of oil and gasoline, we were energy independent. The production of electricity, very rare brownouts and blackouts. You saw steel mills working. Iron mills working, the securing of the border, all these things going on in the nation. Now here's the thing. What these Marxists with their socialist economic policies do is they drain these systems that were built by capitalists prior to these socialists having power or widespread power. So they drain the oil reserves, the strategic oil reserves. They didn't produce it, they drain it. So they they use the oil and gas systems that were created prior to them taking power. They use them up. They devour them, if you will. They drain them. And you can look at the food chain and other chains when it comes to uh, the supply chain of what's taking place. Fertilizer shortage. I can go on and on and on. Here's the point. The point is that depending on the product and depending on the industry, there's a period of time when the movement from free market capitalism to totalitarian socialism is not felt by you. Because they're still, if you will, eating the feed grain, the seeds. And so you don't notice it for a little while. In some areas you won't notice it for a long while. In some areas you'll notice it rather quickly. They unleash such a an aggressive and brutal assault on our domestic energy production that you're feeling it immediately. It's been rising the price of gasoline ever since Joe Biden took office. Long before the genocidal maniac Putin invaded Ukraine. And again, you can see with the strategic oil reserve, you can see how they have drained the resources of the Border Patrol and ICE. 
in a way that does not empower them or enable them to secure the border and protect the country. You can see how they do this with health care. And on down the road, different products, different industries, different services, the socialist economic policies benefit for a period of time from what was already established under the capitalist system. But then at some point, that capitalist system either doesn't produce or doesn't produce adequately or efficiently or enough what is necessary. And that's why they're going to have brownouts and blackouts in California and other parts of the country. It's going to spread. It's just a matter of time. We're living off, as I said, of the inventiveness, the creativeness, the production of past capitalist endeavors. The entire grid is based on that. And then you have the ideologues who come in and destroy them. Attack them. And that's what you're seeing in our country. And at the same time, at the same time when they're trying to create this massive federal leviathan beyond what already exists, and promising free things to people who haven't earned them, free things to people who are newly in the United States by the millions. Well, you can't, you can't actually produce that kind of wealth in order to keep up with the imaginations, the ideologies, the, the policies of these Marxists. So you just print money. You just keep printing money. You keep borrowing. You keep spending. And what the hell? The government has to pay itself back, so who cares? Right? And because you don't believe in history, Marx did not believe in history other than to condemn it. The world begins today. So even though you've seen in the past how such spending absolutely destroys countries, it destroyed Germany, countries like Zimbabwe, Venezuela, which had uh, enormous, and still does, oil reserves, but can't get them the hell out of the ground. None of that matters. Because we don't care about history, and even if we did, those people just didn't know how to implement Marxism generally and socialism specifically. We have the people who can do it, don't you know? But you're starting to see the consequences of it, shortages. When you have a war on capitalism and a war on these specific industries, products and services, you can't really fight back. You can't fight back against government regulations and government taxation and government enforcement and penalties and imprisonment and all the rest. You're just a company or you're just an individual or you're just an entrepreneur. You're just a, you're just a customer or a consumer. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because the real robber barons today are in the federal government. They have all the power. They have all the power. There's nothing in the economy that doesn't have some form of taxation or regulation. Nothing. With an all-powerful governmental fist. 
and anything that might just be out there that I haven't thought of, they will, and they'll grab it. They will, and they'll grab it. Look what's happening to the stock market. All of you who have private sector pensions of one form or another are affected by the stock market. That's where your money is. In one form or another, to some degree or another. That's where your money is. It's getting clobbered. You know where people put their money if they wanted to be safe, other than precious metals and gems and coins and so forth? In government treasuries. In government notes. So the money moves from the private sector from shareholders in the stock market. The engine of our capitalist system, investing in all these businesses to the government. The money moves from the market to funding the government. That's what treasuries are all about. That's what these government instruments, financial instruments are all about. Oh, I can be safe now. I'll just buy some treasuries. And that's true to some extent. I'll put the money there. That way I'm not dealing with the stock market. Besides, the government's now paying me more interest than I can earn in the stock market, private sector. And that's a problem. Because you can't have economic growth that way. Tell me this. Name one proposal. One proposal that the Democrats have made that would grow our economy. One proposal that would grow our economy. Now, we already saw last month the economy is contracting. But you know, none of these statistics probably matter to you because you see it in your own lives that the economy is contracting. That your salary, your income, whatever source, pension, whatever it is, cannot keep up with the cost of living. Even though they have, they have fixed, quote unquote, the cost of living figures to, to not properly reflect the impact the government's having. And so what I'm saying is, you see what's happening with gasoline prices. You see what's happening with food prices. You see what's happening with shortages. And it's only going to get worse. There's literally nothing the Democrats in Congress or in the executive branch are doing to improve the circumstances and the environment. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing when it comes to energy. And that's the key. Nothing. And they still have a mindset. The more you spend, the less it creates inflation. Seriously? No wonder Joe Biden had to plagiarize in law school in order to pass a test. He's just too dense. Too stupid. Even when he had all of his wits. To understand how the world works. Because he was on the government payroll the vast majority of his life. As have most of these people been. As most of them have been. 
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I will be on Hannity tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the Fox News Channel. I hope you'll join me there. I'm going to have an appearance on a Bongino's show on Saturday night. My buddy Dan... Uh, very, very nice, Sam, to invite me to come on. He's he's just terrific, and he does a terrific show. And I have my own show on Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Can't wait to see it myself. Can't wait to see what's being edited, Mr. Producer. Do you know my show gets edited? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, the guests? Sometimes I get a bite my tongue, folks. Uh, let's see. What were we saying? Who are the guests? The great Brent Bozell and the great Leo Terrell. They're just fantastic. They're good friends. These are trying times, folks. The very freedom secured by our Constitution. It's under attack by the most extreme leftists our nation has ever seen. That is, if it has ever been audited... I can't imagine it would survive with an objective, honest, internal revenue service audit. Has the group been audited? I asked the people who work at the IRS, has the group been audited? If not, why not? Where do they get all their money from? This organization is clearly, clearly a Democrat Party front group, and let me help. If you're going to audit the organization, you need to subpoena all their communications. You need to subpoena all their communications. And I think we will find that they are in lockstep, coordination, collusion with the Democrat Party. When is the last time this organization criticized one of the kooks in the media who populate the left. I'll show you one. How much time do I have, Mr. Producer? Let's start with Michael Eric Dyson. Apparently he's a professor at Vanderbilt University, if you can believe this. And he's a regular on MSNBC. Cut one, go. So as, as, as odd and as exceptional as the white replacement theory looks, there's a newfangled twist to it here. The explicit expression that we are fearful of genetically disappearing. 
uh, right? We know that in what, 20 some odd years, white people will no longer be the statistical majority in this country. And when you tie it all together, white replacement theory, anti-CRT argument, uh, the, the insistence that abortion uh, be banned and that white babies in particular be born, this is all of a larger piece. And that larger piece is the fear of whiteness disappearing in the face of a worldwide global expansion of people of color. And right here in this nation, we will not be replaced by Jews, by blacks, by Latinos and others. That's part of the tragedy that has to constantly be dealt with and seen as a through line from white supremacy beginning before 1619 on down to today. I don't know what the hell this moron is talking about or how he got a doctorate, let alone a professorship. But he beats the same racist drum over and over and over and over and over again. Over and over and over and over and over again. What does the mass murder in Buffalo have to do with this theory at all? You have this racist who finds a wonderful community that is significantly black population, goes into a grocery store and shoots our fellow Americans dead, 10 of them, eight of whom are black, I believe two of whom are white. They're red-blooded Americans. Red-blooded Americans. What does that have to do with immigration? What does that have to do with quote-unquote replacement theory? Nothing. Where the hell did this come from out of left field? In terms of its relationship to what took place in Buffalo. And all the news groups, all the Democrats talk about it. Republicans are afraid to talk about it. I mean, it's just the craziest damn thing. And critical race theory, which is as racist as it gets. In terms of being replaced by Jews. I am Jewish. I kid that I'm an olive-skinned American. I am white. I am an American, and I love this country. And nobody's replacing anybody except if the Democrats keep pressing their racism. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Michael Eric Dyson, people of his mentality on the hardcore radical left, on the one hand, they denounce people who notice what he is promoting and advocating. He denounces them as racist. On the other hand, he promotes it and advocates it. 
This is the strangest damn thing. And what happened in Buffalo had nothing to do with this so-called replacement theory. It's an ideology anyway. It's not a theory. And if you listen to Michael Eric Dyson or Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Joy Reid, it's a reality that the Democrat Party hopes to benefit from. Now, I think they, they've made a big mistake. We see how Hispanic voters are leaning now. But let's not pretend that they're not out there promoting this. And the more attacks I take from some jerk at the Huffington Post or some jerk at Media Matters, the, all these Democrat Party, Marxist front groups, what do I care? mean nothing to me. Now, on this issue of abortion, Catherine Glenn Foster was a witness at a hearing yesterday on Capitol Hill in the House. They had a hearing on their abortion bill or the abortion bills being proposed. And Jamie Raskin, whose father was famously a red with connections or beliefs tied to the old Soviet Union, He's a big Democrat now out of, uh, out of Maryland because it's hard to tell a difference between the New York Times' Walter Durante and the New York Times' uh, Jamie Raskin, who they love. Congressman. So um, the Republicans have their witness, Catherine Glenn Foster, and listen to this because she shuts this guy down and he doesn't know where to go. Cut for a go is candidly and openly calling for a nationwide ban on all abortions with no exceptions for rape or incest. And if I've got that wrong, I would invite Ms. Foster to correct me. Do I have it wrong, yes or no? Um, If we added rape and incest exceptions, would you vote for it? Uh, Okay, I reclaim my time, of course. Uh, Well, she asked you a question. And the answer is no. Because they support abortion up to the last second. That's what the Democrats voted on. Eric Adams, the New York City mayor, everybody thought he was a moderate. Everybody thought he was a law and order guy. He's a buffoon. Another incompetent. And he was asked a question today on CNN. Cut six, go. A poll that just came out this morning, NPR Maris, says the vast majority of Americans do not support overturning Roe versus Wade. But a majority, including a majority of Democrats, does believe that there could or should be some restrictions in, in okay, when let's, during... Let's, a- let, let's, let's stop there. Roe v. Wade has restrictions. It has trimesters. And in the third trimester... It basically says that the state has an interest in protecting what is a viable baby. Does anybody know this other than me? They've gone way past Roe versus Wade. This isn't even about Roe versus Wade anymore. The Democrats want abortion on demand, partial birth abortion, right up to the last second, right before birth. And Adams admits it. Go ahead. That could be, you say, no, no restrictions at all. 
No, I say, and I continue to say, and I stand by this, uh, women should determine what they're going to do with their bodies. And uh, should they determine what they're going to do with a viable baby's body? See, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where they really can't have an answer. This is why this witness, Foster, was so good with Raskin. Okay, we'll have an exception for rape and incest. Will you vote for our bill then? I reclaim my time. Because the answer is no. Of course they won't. And they say they support democracy. Okay, if a state votes to outlaw all abortion, is that okay? No, because that's not the result they want. Now, the Supreme Court's opinion, once again, if it should be finalized, is a very modest opinion. Basically, it says, look, we've been wrong on this subject for half a century. There's no role for the Supreme Court. You know, no role for us white men here on the court to make this determination. So we're not going to. And that's not enough. Because they demand abortion on demand in every corner of the United States. That's what they demand. Anything short of that is a riotous opposition that you're about to see. And one of the people who's inflaming as many people as they can, and I predict will help cause enormous violence in this country, is Nancy Pelosi. Cut seven, go. Our democracy is on the ballot. People expect that to be taken care of. They want to know what we're doing about their kitchen table issues. Food, education, prescription drugs. You want to talk about prescription drugs? Yeah, let's talk about all of it. What are you doing about anything? Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, a big percentage of Democrat members of the House in particular have not returned to Washington, D.C.? That they're voting out of their homes still? And she extended that for another six weeks? Isn't that shocking? At least the people who produce baby formula aren't doing that. Go ahead. ...to make um, uh, insulin cheaper. So our democracy on the ballot, freedom that springs from our democracy on the ballot. A woman's right to choose is on the ballot, and that is a kitchen table issue. A woman's right to choose is a kitchen table issue. Does this even make any sense to anybody? That the Democrats are for liberty and democracy? The Democrats are for the vote if they win. The Democrats are for the vote if they can fix the outcome to accommodate their demands. Otherwise, they turn to the unelected bureaucracy and unelected judges. And the reason they're going ape right now and furious right now with respect to the Supreme Court is because they've always relied on the Supreme Court in the past to deliver them what they want if they can't get it at the ballot box. That's the truth. But the fact of the matter is, it's easy to confront these radical, cold-blooded, inhumane, selfish abortionists who demand abortion right to the end. And I will continue to say, you'll say, Mark, there he goes again. You're damn right. We want our documentary. 
to show us what partial birth abortion is, to show the whole population of America. And this is why so many Americans say, yes, there need to be restrictions and limits, but the Democrats don't believe in even that. In even that. And so how will the Democrat mob respond? Well, we already know. We talked about it, but now we have it. It's official. Axios, a left-wing site. DHS preparing for violence following abortion ruling. By Sophia K. and Steph W. Uh, I believe it's Kite. The U.S. government is bracing for a potential surge in political violence. Not political violence. In Democrat Party left-wing violence. Once the Supreme Court hands down the ruling that's expected to overturn Roe v. Wade, according to a Department of Homeland Security memo obtained by Axios, again, just to be very precise, many of the states have already reversed and overturned Roe v. Wade by allowing abortion right up to the last second. But they've taken it in a different direction. The big picture law enforcement agencies are investigating social media threats to burn down or storm the Supreme Court building and murder justices and their clerks, as well as attacks targeting places of worship and abortion clinics. Details, the unclassified May 13 memo by DHS intelligence arm says threats that followed the leak of a draft opinion targeting Supreme Court justices, lawmakers, and other public officials, as well as clergy and health care providers, quote, are likely to persist and may increase leading up to and following the issuing of the court's official ruling. Now, they provide their opinion at Axios. Context, abortion-related violence historically has been driven by anti-abortion extremists. But, 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 the mere advocacy of political or social positions, political activisms, use of strong rhetoric or generalized philosophic embrace of violent tactics does not constitute domestic violent extremism or illegal activity and is constitutionally protected. They may want to tell that to the Department of Justice when they're putting out a memo about parents. The road decision is flypaper for extremists, writes Axios. The memo, along with communications between government and private sector, show multiple agencies are mobilizing to try to get ahead of civil unrest. And so there you have it. Civil unrest. There's a powder keg out there. There's a powder keg out there. It's created by our political leaders, such as they are on the left, by guests like Michael Eric Dyson, who go on TV and say the most outrageous, racist, hateful things, by fools like the Yentas on The View, by the whole damn lineup at MSNBC, and much of the lineup at CNN. These people are promoting violence, in my view. By promoting hate, by lying about what's taking place. Yes, they are, in my view. And at a time like this, when people are suffering, 
people of all walks of life, all backgrounds, all races, excuse me, trying to make ends meet, red-blooded Americans of all stripes, they really don't want to hear this crap. Day in and day out on TV. Day in and day out on certain websites. And from one political party in particular. That lives. That lives. By division and hatred and jealousy and all the rest. That's the nature of the Democrat Party. It always has been. It's the way it works. Kamala Harris is out there. Lying. Lying. Cut five. Go. The right to privacy that forms the basis of Roe is the same right to privacy that protects the right to use contraception and the right to marry the person you love, including a person of the same sex. Overturning Roe opens the door to restricting those rights. No, it doesn't. She's supposed to be a lawyer. Instead, she's a liar. A liar. And this is what I mean. Stoking the flames, which eventually encourages violence. And she's not the only one to say it. Andrea Mitchell has said this. One commentator after another on these fraudulent networks have said the same exact thing. They're liars. Because in that draft opinion specifically, Alito and the majority say... This will not affect any of these other issues or quote-unquote rights because the abortion issue is unique and that it affects another human being. And we have no say in that. I mean, if anything, you could say this opinion is really kind of weak because certainly at some point we can all agree we're dealing with a human life, right? And the court says, we want nothing to do about that. Really? What about the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendments and the Equal Protection Clauses? So you could argue that this draft opinion doesn't go far enough. But the fact is, the court has a course correction, which it has had before. With Dred Scott, Plessy versus Ferguson, Korematsu, and other decisions. And as the justices point out, in 25 cases, they've corrected course. Stare decisis or precedent is not the deciding factor. It's to be considered, but the deciding factor is the Constitution of the United States. But when you have Kamala Harris lying, I had somebody write me. And they wrote me and they said, what is this going to do to my marriage? Interracial marriage. I said nothing. But so-and-so said, I said, so-and-so is a liar who's trying to inflame and incite. As they did against the cops. And you saw how the Democrats were colluding, either actively or through their silence. And they're surrogates in entertainment and the media doing the same damn thing. The Democrats will do anything for power. Anything. And now their mob is even talking about burning down the Supreme Court and killing justices. I wonder what Dyson thinks about that. 
I wonder what Michael Eric Dyson thought, really. Such a loser. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Well, well, well. Ted Cruz hit with ethics complaint for attempts to overturn 2020 election. This is the Washington Examiner. A group of lawyers filed a complaint to the State Bar of Texas over Senator Ted Cruz for his attempts to overturn the 2020 election, claiming he played a leading role in trying to change the election results. The lawyers from something called the 65 Project a group aiming to hold accountable lawyers who tried to overturn the 2020 election. I'm sure they're all reprobates. Asked for Cruz to be investigated and for sanctions to be placed on him for his role in several lawsuits to overturn the election results. The lawsuits mentioned in the complaint include Kelly versus Pennsylvania and Texas versus Pennsylvania, which Cruz agreed to represent former President Trump at the Supreme Court. You're telling me that a complaint is filed with the Ethics Committee in Texas, the State Bar, to try and punish Ted Cruz and even disbar him because he was prepared to represent a legitimate lawsuit, two legitimate lawsuits, and take them to the Supreme Court? Are you kidding me? Any person in this 65 group of lawyers, they're the ones who should have their law license pulled because this is nothing more than intimidation and a threat. This is unbelievable. More when I return. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. 
Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. This is the Ministry of Truth. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Senator Amy Klobuchar is actually quite a stupid person. And she's at a press conference today. And she wants to know this. Cut nine, hat tip the hill, go. Why should a woman in Washington state have different rights than a woman in Texas? Why should a woman in Illinois have different rights than a woman in Mississippi? Why should a woman in Hawaii have different rights than a woman in Alabama? But that is exactly the future we are headed into. And we always say before an election, don't get mad, vote. We've got a switch of it this time. And that is get mad and vote. Get mad and vote, but get mad and do other stuff too. Right, Amy? Well, let's try it this way, Amy. What does the science say? Does the science say that that baby in the last minute is a human being or not? Science says it is a viable human being. Even Roe versus Wade says it's a viable human being. So, when a state says a viable human being should be unmolested outside the womb or inside the womb, why shouldn't it say that in every state, Amy? Why should it be different in California versus Texas? Why should it be different in Hawaii versus Mississippi? Shouldn't that baby have the right to live, Amy, regardless, regardless of where the mother is? Shouldn't it, Amy? Yes, I think so. So get mad, America, and vote. Get mad and give the voiceless a voice. Used to be the voiceless, not having a voice, was a civil rights movement. Right, Amy? Amy Klobuchar, ladies and gentlemen. All these people for abortion, they were brought the full term and they were given life. Obviously, those aborted can't speak for themselves. And when they are aborted in the womb, partial birth abortion, they are screaming in unimaginable pain. You just can't hear them. That's what the science tells us. The science. Anyway, Ted Cruz is hit with this ethics complaint for attempts to overturn the 2020 elections. That's how the Washington Examiner puts the headline. You know, we lack, we lack a George Soros. We lack a Mark Elias. We lack lawyers who will file ethics complaints with the state bar associations in different states against Democrat lawyers. We lack the people who are willing to put everything on the line to push back. To push back. It's unbelievable. When you file what is the equivalent of a false complaint against a United States senator who's a lawyer, charging him with some kind of ethics violation or violations, because he offered to represent individuals in legitimate lawsuits, 
It seems to me when you do something like that, it is you who should have your license. License questioned. The lawyers from the 65 Project, just another front group for the radical left Democrats. The radical left Democrats. And they're doing this to a lot of lawyers. And they're also challenging members of Congress, only Republicans who dared to challenge the results of the election, too. But you're allowed to challenge the results of the election. You're allowed to bring lawsuits. We learned that from the Democrats in 2000. Maybe ethics complaints should have been filed against every Democrat litigator in 2000 that litigated on behalf of Albert Gore Jr. throughout the state of Florida. Hmm? trying to change the results of the election. But this is now the standard. So I just want all the conservative legal groups out there to understand that this so-called 65 Project has now set in motion uh, a series of events that empowers you to file ethics complaints in the state where Democrat members of Congress are lawyers, or just lawyers out there, surrogates for the Democrat Party, if you believe that they've done something to upset an election, you can file ethics complaints and you cite them as precedent, because we know how important precedent is. That's what you do. You file complaints against them now. Because they have all but destroyed the legal profession. You want to know the truth. And there was a great piece, and I'll find it after the break, by Professor John McGinnis, who I worked with uh, in the Justice Department several decades ago, a brilliant man, about how the lawyering profession has been and is being destroyed. By other lawyers. And this is a perfect example of it. Perfect example. They're filing these ethics complaints in order to destroy somebody's reputation and career. Not because what they did or said was unethical. And they're hoping the state bars, which are mostly populated by Democrats and liberals, will do something about it. I joined the American Bar Association when I got out of law school, and then I quit about a year and a half later, and I realized what a bunch of crap it was. What did he say? I said what I said. And I said what I meant. Because it's true. But this is what's happening. Lawyers destroying the legal profession. Filing ethics complaints against other lawyers because they disagree with their clients. Or they disagree with the argument that they, they make on behalf of their clients. Now, this is a very fertile opportunity for conservative legal groups now. Very. And you watch this next election. Because I don't think the Democrats are going to accept the shellacking that they may well t- get. I don't think they're going to accept it. They didn't accept the 2016 election. 
And I think a lot of ethics complaints should have been filed against them with the Russia collusion crap and all the rest of it. So conservatives need to take advantage of this too. Conservatives need to use this as an opportunity. You cannot, you cannot roll over in the face of this, this tyranny. You cannot do it. Or there's no end to it. That's why the, Dem- the, excuse me, the Republicans, if and when they take the House, and if and when Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker, and if and when Jim Jordan is the Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, they need to set up a real January 6th Committee. They need to look at the work of the prior January 6th Committee. They need to look at the, the coordination between the Legislative Branch and the Criminal Division of the Justice Department. And get to the bottom of what's been taking place. They need to get a hold of Nancy Pelosi. She needs to testify under oath, back both in private and publicly. They need access to her texts, to her emails, to her other documents, in whatever form. They need access to her staff. I mean, this January 6th committee today, they've apparently interrogated 1,000 witnesses so-called, and have a whole bunch of prosecutors on their staff, including two former assistant U.S., excuse me, U.S. attorneys. And so that needs to be replicated. But this time, the investigation actually needs to focus on law and order and the failure of Nancy Pelosi to protect the Capitol building. They could look into Mitch McConnell as far as I'm concerned, too. But they won't. So they ought to look into Nancy Pelosi. They ought to call Stempy Hoyer in there. <clears throat> the various members of various chairmen of various committees. They need to interrogate the Attorney General of the United States. Everybody who he has set up to investigate Donald Trump and Trump supporters. And find out all the communications that took place. Look, we've already learned the capacity for this Department of Justice to be corrupt. We already saw what they did in coordination with the National School Boards Association, in coordination with the political hacks in the Oval Office, in coordination with the Department of Education to go after parents in our school districts who dared to challenge school boards. They had no jurisdiction whatsoever, so what did they use? They used the Patriot Act and national security as an excuse. They call in the FBI, the U.S. attorneys... They call in the criminal division. They call in the civil rights division. They call in the national security unit. And they use the domestic terrorist hotline to rat on parents. And they've actually taken some steps to do exactly that, according to Jim Jordan and Mike Johnson, the two congressmen. Really unbelievable, if you think about it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. 
for half the cost. The average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Do we have a caller to whom I should speak, with whom I should speak, yes or no? WWTN, Ray, listening in Knoxville, Tennessee, to WWTN. How are you, Ray? Hey, Mark, You can call you me doing? Ray. How are you, Ray? <laughs> I'm doing great tonight. Appreciate all that you've had to say tonight and your uh, all the things you do for keeping our liberties moving in the right direction. Hey, um, what I wanted yes, to sir. talk to you about tonight, moving back towards the uh, discussion about the electrical vehicles, mm-hmm. um, I, I definitely agree with you about all of the um, the issues around the financial stuff and the electrical grid and everything. But on a more practical mm-hmm. um, nature, mm-hmm. have you ever sat in a parking lot where they have these electrical vehicle station charging stations? Um, and watched as um, they sit there in line. I mean, there's one parking lot here that I watch where there's six stations, and <laughs> you've got 20 people waiting in line. It takes 20 minutes just to get a 15-minute a charge, you know, on your on your uh, car. Mm-hmm. And so imagine all these people, when you go to a gas station, it takes you five minutes to get your gas tank filled up. Um, I've said and, and, and by the way, you're waiting in line to get a charge, and that charge, if you're going to get a full charge, can take another two hours, hour and a half, two hours. That's right. That, that's right. The average Tesla takes at least 75 minutes to get a full charge. Mm-hmm. So uh, from a pa- practical standpoint, it's it's absolutely absurd. So mm-hmm. just wanted to share that. No, you're right. And, 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 if, and if you can use an electric car and you want to, I'm not against it. Do whatever you want. But the idea that they're going to compel it in a state like California and other states, I mean, not only is that a gross violation of your mobility and your freedom and an imposition on your pocketbook and wallet, but it's nuts. Because we don't have the capacity, we do not have the capacity, if everybody's riding in an electrical car, to heat our homes, to cool our homes, to take care of our businesses and assembly lines and everything else, and all of these automobiles. Well, we ought to build it, but we're not going to build it. It's not so simple. And what is it that's going to provide us with electricity? What exactly is going to provide? We all going to get a kite with a, with, a, with a key tied at the end like Benjamin Franklin? No, I don't think so. Great call, my friend. I much, much appreciate it. I shall return. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, America's governor, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, at a press conference, as usually gets a cheap shot question and as usually hits it out of the park. And the reason why it's important to hear what DeSantis has to say, he's an enormously successful governor who comes under withering attack by the same corrupt media that attacked Reagan, that attacked Trump. And if anybody thinks a different Republican nominee in 2024 will be treated differently, you're wrong. Despite the the weak links in the chain, the Larry Hogan's, the Chris Christie's, and their mouthpieces in radio and TV, they can learn from DeSantis. It's the third most populous state. It is a prospering, vigorous state. It is where people are moving, as well as other states, but especially Florida. It's an incredibly diverse state. And unlike Hogan and Christie and the other uh, reprobates, they left their states, in the case of Chris Christie, and Hogan will leave his, without having made much of a difference. And the Republican Party won't be any weaker or stronger than it was when they left. In the case of DeSantis... The state has gone from Democrat to Republican because he's laid out principles, he's laid out policy, he's instituted legislation that promotes Americanism. And the people of Florida love it, and people all over the country love it. So here he is at a press conference, cut 17, go. Well, I think it's a slap in the face. uh, Well, let me set this up properly. The question was, how do you feel about some members of the state legislature equating to your administration as a regime, equating you to Castro and Maduro? Now, think of that, how ridiculous that is. And if you're talking about the governor of California or Illinois or New Jersey or New York, I get it. I get it. But DeSantis? No, I don't think so. And he answers this way. Cut 17, go. 
Well, I think it's a slap in the face uh, to everybody in South Florida that has experience with these Marxist dictators in our hemisphere. You have people who were driven out of the island of Cuba. You have people that will, that's so bad, the oppression there, that they would get on a raft and go 90 miles over shark-infested waters to be able to get to freedom. Uh, you have people whose entire livelihoods were taken from them. Their entire liberty were taken away from them. And then they've come uh, to here in South Florida. You've seen the same thing in what's happened with Venezuela. Used to be a very a prosperous country. Then Chavez and Maduro, now it's like a third world country, even though they have so many natural resources. You look at what's happened in Nicaragua. You look at what could happen in places like, like Colombia. Uh, so to equate Florida, which is viewed not only in our country, but even around the world as a beachhead of freedom, to equate that uh, with those regimes just shows that you have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and I think that it really does a disservice uh, to the oppression that so many people in Southern Florida have faced either firsthand or through members of their family. This is why the Democrats and their media are scared to death of Ron DeSantis. This is why. They are scared to death of Ron DeSantis. Cut 18, go. And there's a reason why people are pouring in to the state of Florida. There's a reason why we've led the country in net in migration. I'm not even asking anybody to come. You know, some governors beg people to come. I love the people we have here. I'm fine. But people are they're fleeing a lot of these bad and not just fleeing other states. They're fleeing from Canada. They're fleeing from other places to be able to come to the state of Florida. And so uh, I realize there may be some people in the state of Florida, uh, not in my party, but some others, politicians, uh, who have a soft spot for dictatorships like in Cuba. They have a soft spot for people like Maduro and Ortega. And, and I just want people to know that uh, I have contempt for those views uh, because those views do not represent the values of the state of Florida, but particularly the values of the people of South Florida. Brilliant. Meanwhile, uh, what, uh, what Biden just did with Castro in Cuba or the Castro regime that remains in Cuba. Basically undid all that Donald Trump had done in terms of sanctions, and went even farther than Barack Mailhouse Benito Obama to prop up the regime in Cuba. People say, what do you call Cuba? Because Bernie Sanders calls it Cuba, because he's an idiot. They're propping up the regime in Cuba. They're allowing a lot more money to flow into Cuba, which means really into the pockets of the Communist Party. And Biden has done this on the heels of that government killing, beating, torturing, imprisoning individuals that were part of that Freedom March. Remember that? It wasn't too long ago. Remember that, Mr. Producer? The people took to the streets because they couldn't get enough food and toilet paper and medical treatment. You know, Hollywood thinks Cuba's great. But notice they live in Beverly Hills in the environs. They don't live in Cuba. They don't move to Cuba or Venezuela or any other hot spots for their ideology. You know, North Korea, Iran, and so forth. And the people in Cuba are in a prison colony, effectively. In any event, this is the problem. So Biden basically rewards that regime. The way he rewarded Putin. And you saw the consequences. 
The way right now he's rewarding the Iranians who are about to break out with their nuclear weapons. Hello, hello! You putinoids! You're not even talking about Iran and nuclear weapons. What the hell's wrong with you? Putinoids, I'm calling on you. Nonetheless. Now, I'm sorry to do this, but it's interesting. The other day I mentioned that Joe Biden is a mess. He can't complete sentences. We all know why. We've talked about it. Everybody's talked about it. But people forgot how cringeworthy George W. Bush was. Not as bad as Biden, but still cringeworthy. Even when he was relatively young. And the Bushies, of course, they don't want you to remember that. The never-Trumpers, Bushies, the Cheneyites, the Dizzy Lizzies. But this really was embarrassing, don't you think, Mr. Producer? And even after he spewed it, he knew, oh, good Lord, what did I say now? And he's there campaigning for Kemp in Georgia, because that's a tough one. Kemp's 32 points ahead, so... They jump on the bandwagon. See us? Look at the massive influence. We have no influence. And he's going to campaign for Dizzy Lizzie Cheney in Wyoming, I suppose. Or he's fundraising for, as are the Democrats. But unfortunately, he's at the George W. Bush Institute last night. And here you go. Cut 16, go. In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. True. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia. True. And the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. (laughs) Iraq, too. Anyway. uh, Seventy-five. Uh. Oh, there you go. There you go. The good old days, huh? The good old days. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Reminder, America, I will be on Hannity on Fox tonight, 9.25 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you'll join us. Let's take a couple of calls. People have been waiting. Mark, Eureka, California. Uh, where? What are the call letters there? K-I-N-S, I believe. Our wonderful affiliate there. Go right ahead. Uh, hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, and sir. thanks for all that you Thanks for all that you do. Uh, sorry if I'm a little nervous, but I just Don't want to point nervous. out for your... Thank you. Uh, airplanes, jets, they can't be made electric. We don't have the technology. The numbers don't crunch. You can put panels all over the planes. It doesn't work. So you're still talking about two industries, as efficient as it is. I'm very certain that's absolutely true. And I'm I'm very sure 
that large cargo ships also. That's why they're trying to make this sell us on small cargo ships, the benefits of that, but that's still highly inefficient because you're talking about more material, more mo- more motors driving less cargo. So the, the whole the whole thing is is political, as you all know. But they can't but, make but the you, numbers. But you you make a very good point on electric planes and so forth. Maybe you should be advising the chief executive officer of United because his magazines on the plane are full of crap about green energy and we're moving in this direction and he's been there a year or two and i don't know i don't know how the board of directors can put a moron like that in charge of anything quite frankly i wouldn't even want him serving Uh, me pretzels to be quite frank about it yeah well i can can i just say one more thing absolutely Donald Trump never would have said to the American people he was losing his patience with them. Yeah. Now, who said that? Biden. Joe Biden. Yeah. All right, my friend, Mark. Excellent call. Yeah, you're not going to have enough battery power or enough batteries to be able to move one of these massive freighters, cargo ships, cruise lines. I guess we'll have to just eliminate them, right? Because of the amount of pollution they create. We can't have that, ladies and gentlemen. Denise, Colorado Springs, Colorado, XM Satellite. How are you, Denise? I am great, Mark. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. So I'm calling because I just have to express my disgust about how people are talking about abortion, and especially Mm -hmm. Janet Yellen, what she had to say. And... um, now, you know, let me just stop you. Let me just, I want you to finish your thought, but Chuck Schumer says he represents you and the other 100 million women. Uh, and the Democrats say they represent you and 100 million women. Do they not represent you? No. Uh, oh. Abortion's gone too far. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing from a lot of people. Go right ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, well, well, Janet Yellen, you you know, she goes on and she says that uh, abortion, you know, we have to have abortion so that women could regulate their reproductive situation. If you regulate your reproductive situation, then you wouldn't need an abortion. Right. I regulated my reproductive situation so that I did not get pregnant until I was 36 years old when my husband and I decided we wanted to start a family. Mm-hmm. And so, and, um, and she even was, went further than that. She talked about the inconvenience. You know, if a woman wants to be a professional, it makes it much more difficult. They may not be able to go to college. I said, oh, my God, what, does, does she understand what she's talking about? Who she's talking about? And by the way, women have done this hundreds, thousands of years since there were women. And that's why a guy like me thinks women are quite remarkable for how they're able to balance their lives and so forth. And that's why children are so in love with their mothers, their fathers, too. But, you know. Mothers do certain things that fathers can't do, and vice versa. But the fact of the matter is, look, I'm married to a woman who was able to raise kids, who had a professional career, uh, and uh, and balanced 
all those things, just like so many other women out there. And I bet Yellen did the same damn thing. And most of these members of Congress who are women did the same damn thing. But they act like we're talking about a bologna sandwich, not another human being. Anyway, go ahead, Denise. Well, the thing, the thing about Planned Parenthood is they need to live up to their namesake. Planning Parenthood. Planning an unwanted pregnancy does not mean you planned your parenthood. Mm-hmm. And if they would just go and push the how to regulate your reproductive system or situation, as Yellen said, and push that, then we wouldn't need abortions. Or abortions would be rare. Mm-hmm. But the way they By the way, you don't hear that anymore. You don't hear abortions should be rare. You don't hear that. It should be whenever uh, the mother chooses to. Now, Margaret Sanger was the uh, first president and founder of Planned Parenthood. And um, do you know much about her? She, well, I did a little, a little reading about her, but she basically was a eugenic. eugenic. That's correct. Right. She's a racist. Staunch support of eugenics. The selective breeding. Targeting people of color and the disabled. That's what she believed in. That's what she supported. That's Planned Parenthood. These organizations, like the Democrat Party never has to answer for its past. The New York Times never has to answer for its past. Planned Parenthood, you and I are forced to fund it, even though its founder was a uh, eugenic, and specifically targeting uh, people of color and the disabled. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. The Democrat Party was the party of slavery and segregation. Today it's the party of Marxism and Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood. Margaret Sanger. A wonderful lady called and mentioned Margaret Sanger. The founder and the first leader of the Planned Parenthood movement. Now, what did she mean by Planned Parenthood? What did she mean? Well, she believed in birth control, and she was a nurse, and Planned Parenthood was founded in 1916, according to MSN. Sanger's writings, they call them controversial writings, and the uproar that resulted from them over the years caused Planned Parenthood to disavow her in the New York Times in an op-ed last year. It took over a hundred years to disavow her, their own founder. She was a staunch supporter of eugenics, which was a popular method of supporting selective breeding that often targeted people of color and the disabled. It is said that the Aboriginal Australian, she wrote in an essay, the lowest known species of the human family, just a step higher than the chimpanzee in brain development, has so little sexual control that police authority alone prevents him from obtaining sexual satisfaction on the streets, Sanger wrote in an essay titled, What Every Girl Should Know. 
Sanger's writings contain support for stopping, quote-unquote, the reproduction of the unfit, quote-unquote. Sterilization programs carried out by the Nazis. She was also a featured guest of the Ku Klux Klan. Seemingly, quote, seemingly every new approach to the great problem of the human race must manifest its vitality by running the gauntlet of prejudice, ridicule, and misinterpretation. Eugenists may remember that not many years ago, this program for race regeneration was subjected to the cruel ridicule of stupidity and ignorance, she wrote in 1921. Today, eugenics, she said, is suggested by the most diverse minds as the most adequate and thorough avenue to the solution of racial, political, and social problems. The most intransigent and daring teachers and scientists have lent their support to this great biological interpretation of the human race. The war has emphasized its necessity. Its necessity. And Planned Parenthood have been silent for about a hundred years. For about a hundred years. Um, a report by the pro-life group Life Issues Institute indicated in 2017 that a spate of new Planned Parenthood megacenters targeted women of color. They said our research revealed an alarming 88%, 22 of 25, target women of color. Disturbingly, 80% target black communities. 56% target Hispanic Latino neighborhoods. 80% target one or more colleges. In total, 96%, 24 of 25 of these mega centers target women of color, college women, or both, they said. Some 39% of Planned Parenthood patients are people of color, with Latinos outnumbering people who identify as black, according to Planned Parenthood. The organization has not elaborated on how many of its 300,000-plus abortions every year are performed on black mothers, and nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to give a damn. And you and I, we fund Planned Parenthood. Oops, excuse me. You and I, we we fund... uh, Let me kill that. I just did. Okay. It was from the article I was reading at MSN. So when you look at Planned Parenthood, which is a vital organization to the Democrat Party, when you look at the New York Times, which is a vital media platform for the Democrat Party, when you look at the Democrat Party itself, you got to ask yourself, how is it that they drive the agenda in America? I think they have succeeded in devouring most of our culture. And I think the Republican Party leadership, whether it was under George W. Bush or George H.W. Bush, or whether the RNC is led by somebody like a Michael Steele, or you watch a Liz Cheney and Adam Kingsinger and these folks, they're weak. They'd rather beat up on conservatives. They'd rather, they'd rather be 
seen as righteous and, and smart and independent by the very people who promote these ideologies and organizations. It's a problem, but it is what it is. So they'll spend all their time fighting a Donald Trump. Or they'll spend all their time attacking conservative talk radio or attacking... They used to attack Reagan. They pretend now that they don't. They all pretend they're Reaganites. No, they weren't. Almost none of them were. Mitch McConnell was never a Reaganite. Chris Christie was never a Reaganite. Larry Hogan, his father was, but he was never a Reaganite. But this Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood, when you look at when you look at these, these so-called leaders of the left, they all have serious, serious defects. I don't mean typical personal issues and that's no, but serious ideological defects. Cesar Chavez. The head of the uh, United Farm Workers Union. He used to call illegal aliens wetbacks. We played that on the air here. He did it on a radio station in San Francisco. He used to organize Hispanic American citizens to patrol the border, the southern border, like a militia. And any time somebody tried to come across illegally, they would report it to the Immigration and Naturalization Service. And he led a big march on the border, joined by Ralph Abernathy in 1969, who was the right hand to Martin Luther King, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And they were joined by another senator you may have heard of, Walter Mondale. And they marched on the border against illegal immigration as undermining the American working person and domestic unions and so forth. Boy, how 50 years changes everything. That's the Democrat Party. Those are the Democrats. We have a guy running, McGrory, for the Republican nomination for the Senate in North Carolina, the former governor, and he says, look, I'm no rhino, I'm a Reagan-Eisenhower Republican. When Dwight Eisenhower came to power, one of the things he insisted on doing was deporting every illegal immigrant in the United States. And he set up an operation to do that. And so in six months' time, that's pretty much what they did. They went into workplaces. They went into homes. They secured enough bus transportation and so forth. And they actually would round up people and remove them from the country. I'm not advocating anything. I'm just explaining the history. And yet, and yet you have Republicans in this, this country who want to distance themselves from a Reagan, distance themselves from a Trump. And they say, look at Eisenhower, the great moderate Republican who built the inter- interstate highway system. That's what they always say. He wouldn't tolerate illegal immigration. Arthur Schlesinger Jr., who was considered an intellectual, Harvard professor, 
was a very, very close advisor to the Kennedy family and later to Johnson, although he didn't much care for Johnson. Helped write, along with others, profiles and courage and other documents for Kennedy. He wrote a book called The Disunity of America, or Disuniting America, in which he condemned immigration without assimilation, in which he condemned illegal immigration, in which he condemned ethnic identity. He did that. Why did he do that? Remember the former governor, Democrat governor of Colorado? His name skips my mind, Mr. Producer. But he gave an entire speech on if you want to destroy America, what do you do? One of the things he said is you... Yeah, Lamb, that's it. Governor Lamb. One of the things you don't do is read Victor Davis Hansen's book on Mexifornia. Where he lays it out there. But he said bilingual or multilingualism, multiculturalism, immigration without assimilation. And he went on, just like Eisenhower and others, Democrat governor. Gave a speech in Washington. Said that's how you destroy a country. It has no culture. It has no identity. I guess the modern Democrat Party, Media Matters, all the front groups, they would call that replacement theory. But of course, these are racists, Media Matters and the rest. They actually promote racism. That's who they are and that's what they do, in my view. I'll be right back. Mark in. Kathy, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Go, please. Hi, Mark. I just wanted Hi. to shout my adoption. Um, I released my baby for adoption, and us birth mothers are out there, and no one ever pays them attention, and the only ones that get attention are shout my abortion. But we are here, and we are proud, and we don't carry around the guilt and the shame. We chose So life. you're saying you're a birth... I'm no expert on this. So you're saying you're a birth mother? That is, you gave birth to a child... And, uh, and gave it up for adoption. Is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. How long ago? 30 years ago. 30 years ago. And so that child has become presumably a pers- an older uh, adult, a person, and uh, an older person is what I'm trying to say. And uh, you yes, didn't sir. feel at the time that you should have the baby, but you did. you decided that the baby should live, correct? Absolutely. Yes, sir. She deserved a life, and I was able to give her that. Do you know anything it about her? It wasn't about me. It was about her. Mm-hmm. Now, that's an interesting comment, because I feel like a lot of birth mothers, mothers, feel exactly the same way. They will do anything for their unborn baby. 
anything. Not all, but the vast majority. They'll try and eat properly. You know, they won't use illicit drugs. Again, they're exceptions. Uh, they try and, um, in some cases, sing to the baby, play music to the baby, that sort of thing. And they will do anything to protect that baby in the womb. Absolutely. All right, Kathy. I kept a journal yeah. my whole pregnancy, and I gave it to her. She found me, and I gave it to her. Oh, wow. And uh, do you still keep in touch? Uh, oh, yes, sir. She's going to be in nursing school this fall. How about that? All right, Kathy. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Let's go to Joel, Homebrook, California, XM Satellite. Joel, how are you? Um, real well, Mark. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm all about um, people don't seem to understand that we're being completely maneuvered. Uh, they talk about CO2 being a bad thing. It's a good thing. Uh, you know, and... Um, And you're saying it's a good thing because without CO2, plants can't make oxygen. Exactly. We've been, the the Democrats have been lying so long they don't even know what you're talking about. But you talk Mm -hmm. to any scientist or biologist or meteorologist and they'll tell you that, you know, they're just completely, it's malarkey. Anyway, um, you know, we, right now we should be, um, besides what we can do, is um, propane, propane, natural gas. They're trying to outlaw natural gas in Oregon and Washington, and it'll all future rebuilds. I don't know what the hell happened to those two states over the last quarter century. Oregon and Washington State. I mean, they've lost their minds, the politicians. And really, the cities control the rest of the state. Like Seattle basically controls Washington State, and Portland basically controls. Oregon. It's too bad. There's a lot of nice places there and a lot of nice people there. Joel, thank you for your call. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our trucker friends, brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and I will see you literally in half an hour on Hannity on Fox. Take care.